Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we look back on the best of 2022, including soup and cobra pie. Welcome to The Kindness Project, ladies and gents. I am joined by a girl who is as cool as a cucumber and a man officially known as having a hot head it's russell dames how are we doing i'm fine thank you how are you <laughs> i'm fine thank you how are you i'm doing all right hot head how's your head today no my head's fine <laughs> look him playing his hot head down now last week russ all you were talking about was how hot your head was so what all, all our listeners want to know unofficial question just for you in the podcast how hot your head? My head's fine. It's lukewarm. Lukewarm head. We're sure he's not the one that's tall as a cucumber. He might know. He's a. He's as lukewarm as a. What? What thing is lukewarm? How would you describe something lukewarm? Well, it is described by drinks and water, isn't it? Is it liquid? Soup. Lukewarm yeah. as a. Malagatoni soup. Is that Malagatoni the one you have at room temperature? I don't know. No, that's a uh, gazpacho. Or oh, gazpacho, that's it. Gazpacho is your, your lukewarm soup. Uh, not Malagatoni. Malagatoni. Malag. How do you say it, Russ? I don't even know what you're talking about. Right, because spaghetti is the soup you have at room temperature. We know that now. That's that's the soup that we're uh, that we're aiming for. The today's question, and I'd like I'd like to get the uh, the esteemed editor in chief and the thorn. Uh, <laughs> I'd like their response to this particular one. Um, what is your TV pleasure? Now I know what mine is. It is the legendary, and I've been told when we've asked this question online that actually this shouldn't be a guilty pleasure, but for me it is Cobra Kai. Russ, have you seen Cobra Kai? I haven't. <gasps> I'll tell you what my guilty pleasure is, son. Go on then. Naked Attraction. <gasps> no. Late at night, if I'm up and I can't sleep, I watch that naked attraction. It is baffling, absolutely baffling. And the episodes you watch, Russ? Well, it reminds me of a dream I once said. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, would Not... I go in there? <laughs> would you go on naked would attraction? Would you go, Russ? I regularly say to Kelly. And when you need it... to be, you need to be attracting a mate, and you are, you have got a partner, right? But I reckon oh, you'd tell if you I come to you, would I find you a naked attraction next week? <laughs> and what did she say? She said no. Would you go on naked attraction? No. You, was yeah, there, if, 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 was if, the Zoom experience where you came on, on without your job enough? If it's a TV show, then I might consider it. But <laughs> So when, when it comes to going on stuff half naked, you only do that on Zoom, right? Yeah, only on Zoom. Yeah. Only, only in Paul and me and Jury involved in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, clearly. And, and and Naked Attraction is one of those w- that would definitely have me switching off immediately. Well, I just, I, 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 for me, I, I don't get the attraction of no, Naked I Attraction. I don't. That's what the battling thing is. <laughs> How many you watched? 
I watched all our series. <laughs> so, right, all it takes is watching one to go, this is baffling. You never got to watch 10 episodes to go, this I'm is bizarre. Just fascinated by it. Yeah, you watch it and go, why are these people doing this to themselves? Yeah, why? 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 Is that one now? No, right. So, why are you showing your bits and bobs to Britain? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> no I, I, I don't know. If, if you... But if, you look if, at some people and think, why would you go on telly looking for a mate? Why why not go down the pub and find a... If you, uh, no, you could say that about anything. I mean, I know couples who've met on the web and are fantastically happy. We, we know um, what your guilty pleasure is, and it's not Cobra Kai. What is it? It's that Married at First Sight or whatever. No, that's the other one. Married at First Sight Australia. Love now, it. Married at First Sight is not better than Naked Attraction. No, it is, because people haven't got their bits and bobs out on it. And, and, there is, and, and this is why it's better, right? This is why it's better. And this is why it's so addictive, right? They pretend it's about a genuine interest in people finding their lifelong partner. And actually, it just turns into a cat fight between everybody. Um, and the problem is, you they drag you in with this, like, because I don't like drama TV as a rule, but they drag you in by sharing enough of the the nicey like, nicey nice stuff, and then then you, you get hooked on the drama and go, oh, I'm going to watch it because of that. So yeah, Married at First Sight Australian Cobra Kai, nothing where people get their bits and bobs out on the telly. I've, no, about I've us, got all right? quite hooked on on Below oh, Decks when I was wearing your ass. Below Decks. Yeah, you know the is that the is that the late night version of Naked Attraction? No, no, no. Attraction, below decks. No, no, it's about the no. people and they they like the people that work on the yachts, the private yachts. No, I've I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I, I think funny enough, my and your dad love love uh, that dad. You, loves you could have just said our dad. Our dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad and your dad, they're the same person. Loves a bit of below decks. Yep. What's your um uh guilty pleasure? Kids cartoons. Kids cartoons, what ones? Um, there's just something about them. They're just. I mean, when that, I saw Russell, be, that can't be a kill with pleasure. I shed a tear when they took Balamori off CBeebies, you know. <laughs> I was so upset. You can get on YouTube, Russ, if you have a look. Yeah. Or, or I'm, I'm sure you can get Balamori still on the iPad. Um, I um, call myself well enough that I've not every day tuned in and found out what PC Plum's done. I mean, <laughs> but his bicycle's got to get an upgrade at Sorry, some point, mate. PC Plum's now on Naked Attraction. <laughs> He's showing off his PC plugs. <laughs> no, he's showing off his PC plugs. Um, I did um, a documentary the other week. And that's an actual island where the houses are the same colour. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I, I can't remember the name of it right now. So if you are... No PC plum love. If, if you are... No, it's a local attraction. <laughs> PC plum. Um, uh, but yeah, it's called uh, Come to Me. I wanted to say the Island Mole, but I don't, I don't think that's rolly, right. Rolly, I can't rolly, remember what um, But weirdly, I mean, you talk about kids' TV and Naked Attraction. Kids TV. I think that if Russell went on Naked Attraction, he'd look a bit like Zippy. Um, <laughs> anyway, brotherly love. Brotherly, brotherly... Um, bats. bats. That's what we're doing. 
on that note, my friends, let us know what your um, favourite um, uh, guilty pleasure is, okay? What show do you watch on telly that you think is like, I love it, but I sort of feel a bit bad? Like, you pitched my party out. <laughs> I've just realised, I took it off and put it down, and then you're suddenly you're wearing it. The you literally, totally you pinch everything. <laughs> You've got half me clothes in your wardrobe, you pinch me pie, yeah? I can't believe it. Um, and uh, we Kids look forward to getting to up with Kids, well, the weird thing is, Russ, she's not a child anymore, which is a bit scary. <laughs> and on that... Uh, and on that note, we have got now. Now we've got two singers in the uh, podcast um, uh, uh, presenter family. Who would like to do the kindest news jingle? I'll do it. <laughs> kindness news. A weird, 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 Perfect. Um that I wanna I wanna tell you a little story about a university who gives unexpected bonuses to all employees to say thanks for their service during COVID. The Chancellor of Vanderbilt University is recognising all the school's employees for their diligent work over the past two years with a surprise bonus in paychecks. All of the eligible staff, faculty and postdocs will receive a £1,500 bonus in their paychecks at the end of uh, at the end of March. That's 9,000 workers, including part-timers, who are getting the bonus. Um, it... it um, coincided with the university's 148-year anniversary and the Chancellor, a guy called Daniel Diermeyer, expressed gratitude for the extraordinary efforts at those at the heart of the Vanderbilt's educational mission. You know what? Interestingly, I think, you know, in, our, in my little world of financial planning, we had a incredibly lucky and fortunate and... And, and not even though it was challenging in parts, actually quite a smooth um, pandemic. You know, every business had, uh, and then whatever profession you, you were in had challenges. But you look at the work that both teachers and people in the medical profession did, the reality is that they actually had to really, really... <laughs> did you just take my, your glasses out of my case? <laughs> Yeah. How, did, how did that happen? She's trying it on for a She's trying to, she's trying to pinch um, my glasses, guys. I, I put them in there as a, um, as a practical joke. I was, now I'm getting a I was, I was trying to make a really serious point. Um, so, yes, more than 7,000 undergraduate student, students and 64,000 graduate students were enrolled in the Nashville, Tennessee University last fall. Um, and the guy announced it as part of a, a part of a YouTube thing. Well done to all those teachers. Um, amazing work in terms of uh, in in terms of um, in terms of getting that bonus and thoroughly deserving it. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the Kindness Project. How are you today? Really good, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm looking out the window and it's it's, it's a little bit of rain. Um, <laughs> it's a shame because we we 
yesterday was like just perfect, perfect blue sky. And you're like, is that spring? You know, is, is, yeah. we sort of, is it coming? Yeah. Yeah. On our way out of it. And um, no, it's, it's, it's obviously reverted back to what we're, what we're used to. But either way, um, lucky to have a window to look out of, right? True. Yeah. You, you've got to be grateful in life. That's a, that's an important yeah. attribute. And we talk, I mean, we, we started like pre interview, we started having a conversation about lockdown and the stuff that went on there. Interestingly, I think the big thing for me is we are, we're in a Hornchurch, so not a million miles away from where you are. But one of the big things for me was having a Hornchurch County Park just to go for a run. You know, and that exercise and mental health thing, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, funny enough, before you came on, Jeff, Russ was telling me, Russ is in Norfolk, um, and he was telling me that apparently it's fabulous weather in Norfolk, Russ, right? Yeah, it's lovely weather down here. Up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, good, good stuff. Right, so let's just start with a really open question for the members, because we've got an international audience. Clearly, I know who you are. For members of our audience who don't know who you are, tell us a bit about you. Well, first of all, let's keep it close to home. Um, I'm from Hornchurch as well, and my granddad used to live behind the fire station. Uh, oh, I know where you are. Yard, number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love Hornchurch, and um, that'll, that that'll mean nothing to our listeners in Guatemala. To, uh, <laughs> possibly not. So what I should do is explain who I am, and uh, there's a few layers to this one, I suppose. In that, all right. So broadly, I've worked in television for about 20 years. Started off on a show called Shipwrecks, and went and lived in on an island in the South Pacific for three months. Um, as a 21 year old learned so so much but uh, you know as, as always there's uh there's the, the the life that we live sort of beforehand and my my childhood growing up in in Essex was uh was an interesting one um which we might explore later if it's relevant to, to where you want the conversation to go but I think it always provides a platform and yeah. um shapes who you are and and who you're not um, but yeah, in terms of, I, I now work in um, in football, so I work for BT Sport. Um, I like last night I was at a Europa Conference game, and Saturday I'll be at a National League game. It's really varied, and I really enjoy it because I was a professional footballer when I was when I was younger. I've I've, I've got my UEFA B license as a coach, and I, I loved the game, so it, it made sense for me when my children um, were of an age where they didn't really, they were too cool to hang around with me of, of a weekend. It meant that I then had permission, I suppose, to, to go and do something that I really wanted to do. <clears throat> um, seven or eight years ago, I became a talking therapist. So I trained as a life coach and it took me about nine months to qualify for that. And then I did my NLP uh, prac as well, which um, which is a great sort of uh, toolkit for for uh, for mental health generally, and to be able to to help people in lots of different and interesting ways. Um, so I love I love my coaching. Um, I love uh, I find human behaviour fascinating. I always have done, to be honest. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and I uh, get a lot of, um, in fact, the most satisfaction I get from anything is generally sitting down and just really listening to someone and just asking them the best questions that I can um, that I can think of, you know, use a few techniques to help someone really explore their situation and, and, and help them to progress. That's, uh, that'll, that'll never get boring for me. Um, 
And I suppose there's a lot of stuff in between. You know, I've done a lot of presenting. I've done a lot of different experiences. Um, I'm 42. Uh, so I currently live with my, my wife and, and, and two kids who are 17 and 18. Um, they lost their mum when they were um, four and five. So um, I think sometimes it's it's not not fair for me to say I've brought them up on my own because obviously I've had partners. But um, uh, that's obviously been an interesting journey. Um, you learn a lot from that. And I think this is a really interesting period because... They're, they're teenagers at a time when the world's slightly different to how I remember it when I was their age. So uh, you, you navigate uh, those challenges as well. Um, otherwise, what do I like doing? Um, I particularly uh, I enjoy things like cycling, reading, meditating, um, really into um, I've, I've got a veg garden um, for the first time last year and 80% of it came from, I really enjoyed that process. And Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there, there's a little snapshot. Right, there is a lot to unpick there, Jeff. And I, yeah. I know I know I've seen some questions before the interview, but I just want to be a bit more curious about some of those aspects. So yeah. you, you started off talking about, um, like, you know, our experiences in childhood, you know, sort of evolve and, you know, help us understand a little bit about who we are now. Tell me a story about when you were a kid. Well, I think we've got to start where it all started, and that is that my mum was 15 when she had me, and um, it, it didn't necessarily go to plan for her. She was obviously young, unprepared, and, and under-supported as well, so um, it meant that I was taken into foster care. Um, so my first and earliest memories are from um, from from that period. As much as I was very young, I still, you know, strangely have memories today. Um, so that's that's really interesting. How we can store certain things. Um, it, I don't remember it being a, a, a bad experience. Obviously, you know, you're not with your mum, and that's where you should be. So that will always, I think, um, bring about certain differences, nuances to your character that you maybe don't learn about until you're in your thirties. Um, so I've been um, I've been going to to see a, a Jungian therapist for the last five years to do a process called reparenting, which is uh, I, I I realized at a point that there was always a, a little Jeff that was kind of with me in a lot of the decisions that I've made in the past, and certainly in relationships, and when relationships have got difficult or with commitment, which sounds really obvious, doesn't it? If you if you're used to the main woman in your life um, not being there, or that was your first experience, then, um, yeah, when it comes to, like, committing to someone where you're giving them the platform to potentially do the same, um, you know, it wasn't a conscious choice, but I, I recognised that it was sort of a pattern and playing out. But then you need to do the work to recognise that, don't you? you need, like, you yeah. need to go through that process. Yeah, it takes a, a, a an element of maturity, I think, to get to a point where you don't want to be the catalyst for for anything that's actually working against you and not for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, after five years of of doing the work, um, I understand it far better. It doesn't impact me anywhere near as much as it does to the point where the fact that I've been married three years and with with Kate for eight years obviously means that that something has gone well. Um, yeah, the other the other interesting one was that there was a um, there was a, a crash on the Thames between two boats, the Bow Bell and yeah, the, the Marchioness, wasn't it? Yeah, the Marchioness. So that was that was my biological dad, who was the skipper. So um, I remember being on the Thames the next day and asking my auntie, who was the manageress of a floating restaurant called the Regalia, 
I remember saying to her, like, you know, what's going on? All the police boats and, um, uh, you know, people people would be wondering, like, what what do you mean? Why why wasn't you sort of looking for your dad or or waiting for news on what had happened to him? The fact is, is I hadn't met him and I didn't know he existed. Um, I thought that my stepdad, who my mum was with from the age of five for me, um, he was the reason why she was allowed to have me back. And um, and I always thought he was my real dad. Like, I think that was one of the conditions between them is that um, they thought they would be able to do the best job uh, possibly by not disclosing that actually, you know, there was someone else around who may at some point decide that they wanted to play a part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he he was the skipper. So I learned about that when I was thirteen, and it was when uh, again, interesting child. But uh, me, my mum, my brother, um, we had to run away. We got rehoused in a little village called Tiptree uh, near Colchester, and we were sat there um, one afternoon. My mum said to me, "Do you want to? Would you like to meet your real nan and granddad?" It was, obviously, that's a really interesting thing to be asked, isn't it? My real nan and granddad. But instantly, and again, it's like showing how subconsciously you always know everything relating to your life. However, it's whether consciously you, you, you've kind of got it there, accessible at the surface. But I, I had like a little flashback of my, um, my stepdad sitting on the edge of the bath. He just, I think, sort of broke his way into a flat we'd been evicted from or something. And he... Um, he was sat there with his hand bleeding. I remember saying, Rob, like your hand's bleeding. And obviously you wouldn't call your dad Rob. Uh, you, you, you'd have called him dad. So, so straight away I was like, oh, right, I get it. Why not my real dad? And she told me about the, the accident. And um, and that's, that's an, yeah, again, really interesting situation to find yourself in because you, you're kind of, uh, I think, probably torn between uh, a few different ways of feeling. But my natural go-to was, was always a positive one. It was always a... Uh, and I'm something you know, something I'm proud of, but I, and I'm proud that I got the resilience to be able to, I guess, see that that was the best way for me to compute what had just been sort of handed yeah. to me. and that, it's not easy, is it? You know that yeah. that that process is is a is a is a difficult one. So challenges then, like a lot of challenges, sort of when you're younger. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all got our stories. We've all got our yeah. backgrounds, and so I think what. Um, What's really important is how you, um, whether whether you're able to work through some of the stuff that you're carrying on your shoulders, yeah. Um, yeah. and whether you're able to recognise that actually amongst all of those things and those experiences, there's some really um, amazing lessons that have actually given you some strengths that if you care to care to see them and obviously if you're able to get to a point of being like right I know that that's my strength and I know where that's come from then all of a sudden it's a just a way of turning some negative things into things that will serve you. And I'd imagine the NLP training's helped with that right? Yeah that that sort of added a lot I think actually doing the coaching initially was uh it, it almost when I was doing the training I realized that that's many of those approaches were things that I was naturally doing anyway in terms of just having an open open mind to to other people's um perspectives knowing that mine wasn't the the only one and the center of everything and in fact I was you know always the opposite of that I'd always be far more interested in what everybody else thought I'd always want to give everybody else the the chance to speak and express their opinions and things like that and I always enjoyed to kind of borrow what I agreed with from 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 all angles if you like and it just meant that 
you know, sometimes the person in the room that speaks loudest and speaks most is not necessarily the wisest. You know, they're 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 just the ones that need to kind of that the feel they need to exert some control of the situation. And um, so I yeah, I recognised that I'd been doing that from quite a young age. I mean, the problem is, Jeff, my natural personality is that's normally me. And I've had to learn <laughs> over the years that listening more, asking more questions, being more generous in terms of that, you know, that, you know, just, you know, what you can learn from listening is huge, isn't it? You know, it's that, it's that just, you know, just developing those skills over the years has been a, a, a big thing for me. Help me understand, like, the sort of life coaching stuff is, you know, helping individuals work out what's next in their life super important at what was the crossover skills you use that in the like in terms of the football coaching and life coaching where does that where, where are they sort of connected yeah no, that's a massive point you're making really because as again another thing i've realized seven or eight years ago when i first started doing the course is that football absolutely needed to to um adopt that kind of approach instead of screaming and shouting at players um you know and trying to trying to uh, elicit uh, reactions through emotion um that actually if we just create a, an environment where you're asking great questions and when you're uh, when you're actually empowering the individual to take ownership of yeah. their game and their uh, development um, then all of a sudden, the, I think the curve at which a player can improve would be far steeper than if you're you're doing the same sort of stuff and just trying to make them scared of doing the wrong thing as opposed to yeah, uh, having yeah. conversations. Instead around, of having like, a big stick, you've got the you've got a tool bag that's full of this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and it was really good to know actually that, that when I started asking a few of my friends who worked in the game, that actually that was something the the FA were. Uh, starting to incorporate and actually all of their new sort of uh, BA pro licenses were, were actually coming from a position of educator more so than than sort of, you know, I'm an ex-pro who knows what he's talking about, so you better listen to me and do what I say. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, so, so coming from a, from a place of education, actually some of the best football coaches are people that were that, that have come through the education system um, as maybe PE teachers, or yeah. uh, because again they've got that 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 um, that that approach kind of ingrained in in how they generally uh, approach all things in life, and not just like something they switch on when they turn up at the training ground. Yeah, in, really interesting. I I I I'm not going to pretend I'm a particularly I, I, I like to run. Um, but I, I'm not going to pretend I'm, I'm particularly quick. Um, so I don't know anything about pro sports. But one of my favourite books is a book by um, a guy called Dr. Steve Peters called The Chimp Paradox. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it talks about how he trained um, the British cycling team in 2012 about understanding how their mind works and helping them. Amazing guy, really, really interesting book in terms of that. Um, so we talked about that. Let's talk about kids in a pandemic because... You know, as, as I said earlier on, I've, I've got two, my daughter's 18. And weirdly, she went, I don't know, I don't know about your, because your son's the old one, isn't he? Or are they two, have you got two sons? Two, two boys. Two boys. So Charlotte went through a GCSEs during that first part of the pandemic. 
Because I'd imagine the principles that apply, the, the, the principles you're teaching to people in the forces, even though it is designed to tackle, as you say on the website, things like PTSD and stuff like that, they're principles that potentially apply to people in civilian life as well, right? Every single person can use them. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're, we're not creating anything new. We're just taking stuff that's already out there and just giving people the awareness, the Framework. knowledge. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And um, it's stuff that I've used in my past. Some stuff I haven't used, I'm looking forward to, to, to uh, implementing it into my life. But, you know, I, I've personally helped dozens and dozens of people that have been in a bad place. And I just simply give them a, a few, give them a, a bit of understanding as to, let's start what you're doing throughout the day. You're sitting indoors normally, they sit indoors all day. All right, let's go and stand outside the front door. Yeah. Yeah, get some fresh air, go for a little walk somewhere. Let's do a bit of journaling. Let's get stuff off your head, the journey at night. Let's do a bit of visualization of where you want to be in the future. Yeah. Um, talk about like animal therapy. Let's hang around for animals for a little while. It's amazing what anim how animals can help people. Oh, you know um, what? Charlotte loves that, don't you? What? You love a bit of animal therapy. Oh, uh, yeah. If I, I've have a bad day, go and open me dogs. <laughs> you know what? Dogs yeah. are amazing for your mental health. Did you make you made friends at your college because of the dog, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, because they have a, a dog that comes in every Monday and just sits at the reception and you just like large groups of people and they had this thing where they had like I think they were pug puppies. Oh um, amazing. And everyone that was on like their list of students who have potential mental health problems got to go and sit with the puppy. Hug a pug. <laughs> I love the idea. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Hug a pug day. Yeah, so you said you're trying to raise three million at the moment. Now that's going to last you two years, did you say? Well, it's, it's for the development of the, the retreat, and it's to it's to make sure that we've got two years of fun running costs in the bag. That's it, and then we then we will just we, what we're doing with businesses. We're saying to them, can you donate a certain amount? Um, for five years, say for example, and yeah. many have many have already agreed to that. But then we can. There's lots and lots of different avenues you can get money for. And keep, but once we once we prove what we're doing, um, and it's working, it's helping. You know, we we really want to start sending teams out into the armed forces, head up teams to go and then teach these methods on a wider scale. Yeah, uh, and hopefully they can then fund us. They've got they've got the funding to do that. Um, so there, it's, it's all about just one one step at a time at the moment. Let's get two million or three million even. Let's make sure that the retreat is developed. Let's get it working and let's show people. And then sort of expand it from there and try and get the message more widespread. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I suppose, I mean, that one step at a time thing is what you describe in terms of the journey towards positive mental health isn't it because it's like you know as you say you know if you've been inside for too long let's just take that first step and just go for a walk you know it doesn't need to be anything particularly um adventurous i mean we'll talk about adventure because i am in awe of your of your of your massive running ability i i can i could do a slow marathon paul but uh, i'm not running around the country anytime soon but that that bite-sized chunk you know like just trying stuff on a incremental basis is probably the way to go right absolutely it really is and when we look um to the to the end of something so it could be for like you say i, I, I want to do a marathon and some people go oh too much you're thinking you're looking at the end product yeah. there's so much there's so much in between there yeah. go just go for a run 
You know, do just like do, do, do a mile. Or do, do a mile, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that incremental steps is really important. Do you want to ask about the? Oh yeah, so um, you've mentioned the run, and Dad's mentioned the run a couple of times. So actually, like, what are you actively doing? Like, tell, tell us about sort yeah, of yeah, run around the coast of the UK. <laughs> so I'm running around the whole coastline of England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Isle of Wight, and Isle of Man. Which has never been done before. Not all of those. You know, you know what? You've missed out too many islands, Paul. This is like, come on, what? Where's the Outer Hebrides? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is an impressive feat, mate. Honestly. Yes, yeah, so I'm doing it in seven months. So I, I'm averaging about 31 miles a day at the moment. Amazing. Um, and that, that, that's six. That, that six days out of seven. So about today's my seventh day, which is always a godsend. And I'm on a, a bit of a rest day. And um, but yeah, so I, and but the run isn't about me it's about a charity i'm flying the flag i've got a four foot flag that i fly around with hundreds and hundreds of people join me if, it, yeah. if it's for a mile if it's for a day two days whatever they want to do they come and join me on a bike or they run um i, I also i don't go i never go home so everything i've got is in my bag um and i run around with it so it's about 10 kilograms worth of kit i run around with as well and i stay with different people every evening yeah. hardly, hardly ever stays with someone that i've known uh, so I get to meet new people, spread the word, make it's connections. It's interesting, isn't it? Like that, that ability to just say, I'm doing this. And I, you know, one, of, one of the things that we talk about quite a lot uh, on the Kynich Project is how, given the opportunity, people are generally good. Have you found that in terms of sort of the, the experience and on the run so far? I've come into contact with thousands of people, thousands so far, and... I've not had one bad experience. Yeah, like pe people hear about what I'm doing, they see the flag, they they ask what it's all about, and they're just everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a mental health story because we all have mental health. And even if they've got one that they want to talk about themselves, they know someone. And um, I've had, in fact, for example, yesterday I was on a run, and I came from Hull all the way down to Grimsby, and uh, a lovely couple um, got on a motorbike and rode all the way in from york so over 50 miles just to say well done and you're doing a great job and then rode back home again love it love it what's the end point where where, where are you finishing so liverpool i started in liverpool okay um and i've got to go, I go clockwise just hugging the coast coastline as much as possible so i've gone all around scotland all the northwest of england all around scotland i've done and just finished in northeast of england i'm like so i'm in i'm in the east coast now um and i once i finish I go once I go to England and um, Wales. I go over Northern Ireland, then I go to Isle of Man, and I finish my last five k to finish back at my my start point back in Liverpool. But Liverpool's Liverpool. a great place to start and finish, though. What a city to 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 do that. Why did you pick Liverpool as your start point? Uh, because I wanted to hit the the south of England, which is where I've got a lot of support from the military. I wanted to hit them during the um, the summer. And there's a lot of people down there. So I think we're going to get a lot of um, support down there. And also Scotland's a nice one to kind of get un get out of the way first. It's very, it's all over the place in terrain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I know, I know you ran through our growth because uh, my wife's mum and dad live up there. My in-laws live up there. And um, uh, I, I had an experience in February where I was up watching the football. I was watching our growth with Cassie's dad. And it's the... Closest ground to the sea in the country. Um, it 
it wasn't a particularly pleasant experience, to be honest, Paul. I'm used to like just having the, being a bit warmer at football matches, not wearing about 27 layers in February just to, just to keep warm. And, and on that note, what I'd be interested in knowing is, is what has been the best and the worst experiences you've had on the road so far? Um, yes, I've, well, lots of people joining me. That's been fantastic. I've had yeah. everything from a young girl at 12 years old. She came out of a dad. She she wanted to come and run. So she came out of a dad and she um, ended up running 14 miles. At 12 as well. 14. She'd only ever done like three or four miles before. She was 14 because she was enjoying it that much. Yeah. It was great. And then a few days later, I actually ran with a gentleman who's 74 years old called Rob. He came and he, he dusted off his trainers after what 14 years i think he said he's just done two miles with me and, and wow. that, that, that was in the northeast of scotland and it just turned and i asked him where his accent was from and he's from ilford and i'm from east ham and <laughs> it was unbelievable. yeah amazing to be all that way from home and like just have somebody who's on your doorstep and what's been the, the worst bit has injuries been and has it been fine in terms of that or is it have there been bits where it's been quite lonely you know tell, tell us a bit about that so injury wise, um, but I haven't. I mean, I get aches and pains. I'm I'm just one constant pain in the leg. That's never going to go. Right. But but when I got to Scotland to Gretna, which was the first place to, as you enter Scotland on the southwest coast, um, I slipped in the shower and cracked two ribs. Oh, so no. That wasn't very nice. I've had no running injuries. I've just had a silly, <laughs> silly <shit. laughs> Yeah. That, that was that was in difficult. The shower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, after so. after everything you've been through in the forces as well to slip in the shower, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's not. I'd imagine. I mean, yes. the, I, I suppose all, part. All local. And yes. this is a this is a really key factor, isn't it? Because yeah. I think a lot of the big charities get so much prominence just because they've got marketing budgets yes. and big yes. teams and yes. stuff like that. Yes. Do you find that some of those local charities often get passed over because but, they just? Yeah, I, I mean, COVID has really made a big impact for mm. some of the charities. Charities also 
bigger charities naturally are now on the cusp of their businesses as well now, yeah. aren't they they have to bring in x amount yeah. a year yeah and, and and i've worked with a few large charities and realized the pressure the costs um the causes etc it it's all money yeah. you need income or yeah. you can't survive. and there's a significant amount and a significant amount right? and publicity and publicity costs money yeah, yeah. so uh, well but um we 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 reach out. Um, Roundtable is fun and fellowship and social as well as service and charity. That's one of the yeah. It's not all charity. But yeah. Its main concept is charity. And, and I suppose one of the interesting things um, is that element of just building... Re- and I don't think blokes are particularly good at it. Um, I think I think interestingly, uh, if I look at Cassie and I's relationship, she's a lot better at making friends than me. Um, but that just that community of like-minded yes. people turns exactly. into friendships it, quite quickly, it, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Um, I certainly, uh, when I was going to Roundtable, didn't go to a group of ten to twelve people to think I could promote my services or yeah. theirs. That was the least of my worries. Yeah. Uh, I went there, and within six months, I was made community person or officer. Mm. I didn't even know what to do. I had <laughs> briefed me. I've gone to a meeting. And yeah. I By the way, oh, you're a community yeah, officer. That's oh. correct. And I yeah. said, what's that? He said, oh, you'll soon find out. So, <laughs> so anyway, being local, I've, I've hung around for 27 years doing it. Yeah. So I do know that it's actually was meant to be. I've yeah. enjoyed meeting many, many groups, individuals, clubs organizations single people steve i think if anybody's going to do it it should be you well it's part of traveling around as a rep seeing properties it was easy for me to pop off locally to a local group that needed help yeah and and it wasn't a case that whoever come forward when we campaigned say we've got some funds it wasn't like just writing a check because they wrote in they were visited Mm. they were met yeah and they were told that we will do our best, but it has to go through a club yeah, yeah, society yeah, vote. Now, yeah. we don't make any promises, and I make that clear on the phone, yeah. that although the request has been made that they need some help, if it's financial or equipment or some service, I can't promise to do it. Yeah, I can yeah, only yeah. get some facts yeah. and report back yeah, to yeah, my fellow yeah. members. And it was always done fairly. And, and most people and, and individuals etc that came forward and pleased to report over the 27 years have, have received the help yeah in, yeah in in some shape or form and most people and we've 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 taken votes we've had discussions and sometimes the discussions can get frank and heated amongst ourselves but we do it in a balanced way that it's proposed and seconded yeah and then the members get a chance to decide increase sometimes the funds yeah, needed yeah, yeah. Uh, or adapt it yeah. or help with their skills yeah. i've had skills being offered in some maintenance and gardening services yeah, yeah, where yeah. builders have offered their services yeah gotcha to add gotcha. on not only will they receive funds they'll get specialist help i think the interesting thing and 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 one that thinks that i'm really excited about because i know that we're doing a sort of school garden yes, project in a couple of That'd weeks that I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited That'd about and i've got no specialist skills in that area at all but i'm happy to get stuck in well at least um, that's part that's half that's, the, that's half the battle that's half the battle i wish i had more specialist 
Ashley's skills, yes. but I haven't. Um, but part part of the sort of the service is often financial, yes. but is often just saying, right, should we just get this project done and moving forward? And that's yes. really exciting. Yeah. And I know that in the years that you've been involved, there's got yes. to be so many stories of what you're proud of. Talk I, to me a bit I've about got that. Many stories. I mean, yeah. it, ranging from the skills of um, I come from construction and surveying background, so it's not a problem for me to see a site and work out the screens I I can do all that that's what I'm trained to do and with friends and helpers um, some of the requests that we've had um, talking about scouts about 10 years ago a young scout in Havering sadly was going away with his group and um, he had to have a special constructed uh, wheelchair battery operated Uh, we got aware of the uh, request through his family and ourselves and Upminster Roundtable. Um, sadly, Upminster no longer are going. They, their numbers dropped, uh, sadly. But we did it as a joint venture. Yeah. So yeah. We, we were able to fund a very strong, thick, tired, special adapted outdoor wheelchair so that young person could yeah. go and experience all the camping holidays. Love that. Go up hills. Going all, it was an ATC all weather yeah uh, 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 and that really did I mean that sounds that like a really pretty good, d- that was impressive shout it was yeah. a very good shout and I really really like that sadly many many years ago and it'll never I'll never forget these two beautiful um, sisters they were twins that sadly had um, um, the illness on their lungs um, which will come to me uh, shortly which meant that they missed a lot of time of school. And um, as a result, their coursework and everything had to be sent to to them. Mm. And the teacher of the school uh, asked us, um, would we be able to purchase perhaps a laptop that could be adapted so mm. that they could get their homework sent to them by email mm. and be able to keep up with the class because they had illnesses of their lungs, sadly. And um, I... This is 20-odd years ago. Yeah, yeah. Laptops were very expensive. Yeah. Uh, I went round the local Romford stores and they were 1500 to 2000 each. But what goes around comes around. And I brought this up one night for a discussion at my, with my friends. And one of the people who was my uh, president at the time had a friend that worked for ICL. And we reached out to ICL and explained this story that these two beautiful young girls um, were um, struggling with homework and that because they were very sick. Um, could they be? Could we be able to get them some laptops? And ICL um, were marvellous and sent us free of charge two laptops Amazing. with modem, modem attachments and, and, this is and they the... could attach it to the homework and the teacher could keep in touch with the girls. Love that. And when it, actually and, and it wasn't that common, it, was And it wasn't it? common yeah, and preloaded yeah. it with Encyclopedia Britannica Love that. and gave them all everything they needed. And th- but this is the weirdest thing. I, I know it's easy to point out the times when people aren't particularly generous. No. But actually, I think sometimes when you're given the opportunity, part of it is, like, as you say, you went to that company and they were massively generous. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It it was really, really lovely of them to to help us with this lovely, lovely family. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it was a very touching story, and we told the recorder about it, and they sent a journalist. Out, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. Even nicer to let everyone see the goodwill, the, the everyone, the, the children are happy. And you've got a special we, folder, haven't you, of all the I, stuff I have, that I like... have, and I must, and I've got it laminated. <laughs> going back, well, certainly for ten years, I've got many stories um, of yeah. this wonderful goodwill, all, all causes. A special lady needed to go swimming, so we got her a special dry suit that okay. she could swim and keep her heart monitor under the the. the so um, she could experience absolutely yeah. go out in the you know on holiday and everything because she had special she couldn't catch any viral water infection. She had a special suit made for her, mm. and it could be adjusted as she grew. So yeah. that was a nice, you know. Um, we've done gardens. We've we've done what they. Sensory, sensory garden for a child that um, is all smelling plants. Yeah. We can landscape yeah, yeah. and build a 360 circle cement mm. path so, so the they family, can feel they their can way. They feel yeah. their way around the garden and put nice fencing and a gate in. This yeah. is through our friends of builders and associates. Um, and, and, and obviously, we funded the materials, but the labour was the most important. Our friends done it, we done it together. Yeah. So um, it's about getting involved actively in the community yeah. as well. Yeah. And I suppose, I yes. suppose being, being a, uh, effectively, a national organisation, yes. but with local with chapters, local presence, you can actually turn around and go, "What's the biggest issue in my area at the minute?" And I know that, yes. and a part of the conversation we had on Wednesday yes. about that was about uh, inflation, the ha- like the cost of living, and yes. supporting people directly. Correct. And Correct. I, I suppose, I suppose, being quite a sort of, you know, you look at some of these big charities, and we support those big charities. Yes. And, and have them tell their stories on the podcast. But one of the things that big charities aren't particularly good at is turning around and going, right, we're going to make a decision now, yes. get that money directly, and it's going to have an immediate impact. Yes. Just because, And round table can do that, right? Well, we can. We can mm. work quick, even though you've mentioned earlier, you've just jogged up my memory on two national charities, Samaritans, for example. Yeah. About 10 years ago, some of the office furniture and equipment was yeah. getting a bit tatty. Yeah. Um, so they reached out to us and um, it was no issue at all within a week some of the office furniture and the sofas and that was delivered yeah Um, yeah yeah. and and the following year i think we may have given a computer so so we can work fairly quick i appreciate you're right decisions take time but if two three months waiting for items of equipment or furniture or service is yeah. is too long, and that's and, what, and that's why those we can local, come in and do quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's supporting people at the time they need yeah. it when when they do it. Um, and talk to me a little bit. I know we spoke a little bit about the scent slides. Yes, spoke a little bit about slide. the firework displays. Yes, the firework um, displays. Talk to yes. me a bit. Talk to me a bit about how Hornchurch Roundtable raise money, but yes. how people raise money generally yes. within Roundtable. Yeah, I mean naturally, Chris. Um, you mentioned earlier about the um, the fundraising, which the main event for us is the Christmas collections. Yeah. But prior to COVID, I'd say up to four or five years ago, we used to have a yearly dance, you know, like a dinner and dance um, called Ladies' Night. We're year-end dance to bring our partners, our wives and partners, uh, with us for a year-end dance. And money raised on the night, um, we would then put into a central pot. And, mm. and, and, and some of that money would go to charity if it was 
you know, with yeah. your James Bond night, um, mm. where people came as characters of James Bond, like one person, one lady came covered in gold, one person came as a deep sea diver, right. one person, everyone considers James Bond in his black suit. I mean, the, the, the thing is, do you, all the other characters. do you then get, I mean, the problem is with that, yeah. do you get then just 50 James Bonds, in, like no. people just wearing their tucks? No, no. What some was your favourite James Bond oh, there outfit? Some people come as the villains, some came in the, the deep sea diver suit. Gotcha. Uh, some people. Tell me there was a the Jaws there. Tell me uh, there was there a Jaws. There wasn't a Jaws because <laughs> no one was high enough, tall enough, but... Um, <laughs> Um, there was some very, very good characters. Who's you know? your, who's your, what's your, have you seen the modern James Bond films? I have, yes. What's your favourite James Bond film ever? I have. I think the concept and the way it's changed, for me, will always be the Casino Royal. Okay. I think the last one also... I haven't watched it all the way through yet. I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Casino Royal uh, just made a big, sweeping cutting statement what in terms of the Daniel yeah, Craig the yeah I'm, yeah I'm arrived and I think with him doing a lot of his stunts himself yeah um, I mean there's a great story on the beginning of the opening first one where the guy just turned up with his rucksack with no wires or lines and he said I'm ready to go and yeah, obviously yeah. the actors have to be specially prepped for this yeah, 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 steel yeah. cranes and all that but the other person I believe was all, was a free baser well free baser and he had no need for anything my, he was well, all good to go but they you know what I can't remember the other I think it was one of the later James, uh, the Daniel Craig ones yeah. where they got the guy doing the stunts was a parkour champion, and he's he's just used to running without I, anything, I, you know. I, but I, absolutely, it's it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so mean, who did you go as? I. Do you know what, Chris? I'm going to be boring. I went in the traditional black. <laughs> uh, I organised it. It took a lot of energy, but we did a, We did it with the we had the tables. Yeah. Obviously, um, roulette table. We had the music. We had the theme music and a very very good local DJ. Um, really good. Who also does does a lot of work for charity as well. Paul Kidley. He was very good, and. Um, uh, it was hosted. Obviously, we gave prizes for the winners because there was fake money. You yeah. can't go in and take people's cash. No, it was, but there was money, and the winners of whoever got the most got nice boxes of chocolates and a yeah. bottle of champagne, etc. But it was done in the goodwill. You paid for your. I think they had to pay some entrance fee or whatever. I forgot. So fake money gambled, fake and then money gambling, the prize at the end. But it, but that night raised about a thousand pounds. Amazing. So that. Not only was the meal cost very low, the, yeah. but that that raised a th- nearly a thousand pounds. Yeah, and we yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't hard to sell the tickets because people wanted to come. I think we had 140, 150 And that people. goes back to the thing, Steve. With you know, partners and round table yeah. is a really good way of giving people the opportunity to have some fun. Yes. But also raise a bit of cash. Raise a little as well. bit of cash. The yeah. Profile. Yeah. We're having a good night out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, even though to be frank, Steve. Yes. Going James, going as James Bond yeah. to a to a double O. You want to go as Blofeld or I, like so somebody. Like somebody different. Who would you if you could do it again and you weren't organising it? Who would you go as? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say odd job. Don't I'm go. Don't tall. go painted in gold. No, I'm not going to go painted in gold. <laughs> too, um, too tall I, I, for odd job. I think um, it. You know what? You've got. Um, can't go as Scaramanga, can I? Because really? you have to have an open chest, don't you? Yeah. Um, but 
it's there's some great characters. Oh, amazing! I mean, Love I, it. I, 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 you know, sometimes. Um, I mean, you could go as Austin Powers. Austin, it's like a parody well, of well, James Well, funny Bond. enough, uh, Austin Powers. You've led me to my second uh, one, which was a seventies night, sixties okay. night, and I did go as Austin Powers. Oh, cool! And cool. the dress hire shop said I could keep the uniform for a week. Right. And I visited a person that was sick in hospital, and I went up on the train in my crushed red velvet <laughs> suit, going, yeah, baby, to everybody. I was making everyone on the King's Road, London, when I visited a sick friend, laugh her head. Oh, amazing. And I went Love with it. the wig, the glasses, with no glass, just the black yeah. rim glasses, yeah. going, yeah, baby, 20-odd <laughs> years ago, down, down the King's Road in London, everybody was crying with laughter. I was just stopped to see a very dear friend uh, in hospital, and um, so we did a, a, a 60s night and a 70s soul night and everyone come in his characters. Amazing. And I Amazing. once went as an American um, hustler and yeah. um, on another function. But we've had uh, some good social dances yeah. and drinks uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's and the other side of the group. There's it, a good so social it, link. So really good laugh, yes. raising loads of money. Yes, it is. You know, fun and service yes, as a combination is a really... It's a really like yeah. incredible thing, and round table's grown in size since um, it's been. It, since it, it's been it has. I mean, oh, naturally, sadly, numbers have dropped. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the UK in the late seventies, I do know there was thirty thousand across the country. Right. Now, that, sadly, it's down to about three thousand. Okay. But it is building up again. Um, you know, there are lots of people joining and, and we're reaching out to lots of people, like many societies in the country, um, networking or, 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 or service clubs like Roundtable, Rotary and other groups, perhaps Lions Group, also a very good group yeah, as well yeah. for service and community. There's so many. The Masons, also a very good group, um, wonderful for charity as well. Um, I think perhaps the work pressures have yeah. got something to do with this. Some people in London are probably doing, all, all around the country, working very long hours. The thought of perhaps once or twice a month to some people meeting on the first and third Wednesday. The pressures at home, family, work-life balance. I don't know, Chris. We're, we're, you know, not we. We are on a campaign to find more people. Mm -hmm. We have to recruit. You know we what's interesting, recruit, though, Steve, so, and and, uh, and I, I talk about this. And in, in, I brought in six people recently. Yeah, that's so. no, amazing, amazing. And and and, but it's interesting when you think about you know people not having time. I think. The pandemic and COVID, in my experience, has made people look at their lives a bit more yes. and yes, say, and say, okay, what do you want to do, and what's yes. the right balance between? Yes. You know, if we're doing 60, 78 hour weeks, you're too we, tired. You, 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 yeah. you just don't want to do it. No. But also, are you happy just working hard and not doing other stuff I've, that's going to be as fun? As I said earlier, no. this to me was it was like a glove to a hand. Mm. The table for me, because I work local, I yeah. could go to visit people for the, for the charitable side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I c was quite good at organising yeah. as a kid. I seemed to be able to get together uh, projects and plans, always had something in my mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. write it in my black book, and then come back to work and develop it. Yeah. Um, I think once when I worked for a national corporation, I organised a darts and snooker competition yeah. and brought along some famous people. Yeah, yeah. 
I was hoping I'd get a promotion. In fact, they said to me, you're in the wrong job. You're better <laughs> at relations and selling property. Yeah. Um, I did it to enhance... You're better at the event management. I was better at yeah. event management. I got all London and Essex-based branches together for a dance tournament and a snooker tournament. Amazing. And organised it myself. And I was very lucky. And I thank the... Uh, the brilliant secretary from the British Dance Organisation, because I used to play in the darts leagues, that helped me. He was able to organise 12 lots of darts matches at the same time. Yeah. He was a brilliant all-rounder. Yeah. And he knew all about organisation with me. And we put together a big corporate night where... it. Because darts, we wanted people to speed up. It was speed darts. So your matches, whoever went who won after 15 minutes, so we could get people, about 150 people moved along. Right, to play so it was games. quite a big event. So it was yeah. well organised, and it was with a master of ceremonies, and the snooker was on a time, 20 minute frame. Okay. So you had to hurry up uh, yeah, so, yeah. to get to your next game. Speed but, snooker. Speed snooker. Um, I like the idea but of that. The, Quarter final was half an hour. The semi final was three quarters of an hour. One hour for the final. Fair enough. Uh, and it was. I tell you what, we really did have some very good players. Amazing. There's a few guys that come along. They must have had a good misspent youth because they could play. They could play. They yeah. They could yeah. play. I, I was quite impressed. I thought I could play. I got to the semis of the darts, and one guy beat me. But I do know I was very impressed with some of the local snooker players. I don't know, I don't know if everybody's the same, but I'm always a better. I, I don't. I haven't played much snooker. I played a bit of pool. Yeah. I'm always better one beer in. I'm always uh, better yes. one beer in, yeah. and then two beers, it two. all goes wrong. Um, I'm the opposite. I think darts <laughs> and, and, and snooker seems to be... Um, it, it depends if you practice enough, but uh, yeah. with darts, I found drinking helped me. Right, fair enough, fair enough. And and I, sp- I suppose the sport in more recent times has gone completely anti-alcohol, and like the best darts players are like the best any sports players, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've been to, two years ago, I went to the uh, quarterfinals of uh, Alexandra Palace, and it does seem to me that they're incredible, the, the speed and the yeah. accuracy. Yeah, that's a really good day out yeah, as well. Yeah, that is yeah. a very good day out. Uh, I think the fans enjoy it. The, there's a lot of beer and, and goodwill yeah. Um, yeah. and noise and the kiss of telegrams and all the machine and, and all the TV companies and yeah. have made it better. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a great atmosphere. And, uh, so, so, Steve, what I want to talk about is yeah. how if, if you're, and we have listeners from uh, listeners yes. to this podcast all over the country and actually all over the world. Yes. But for people who are listening either yes. locally yes. or um, somewhere else in the UK, yes. how do they get involved right. with Roundtable? That, how very, do they find good. out more? Um, first of all, Chris, if, if, if any of the readers would like to reach out to you, I would certainly... Now, the... Um, Question we asked last week. Oh, so whoa! Whoa! Easy soldier. Go on. Tis the end of another podcast. At the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And we've got some really romantic people out there because last week we asked what's the most romantic thing you've ever done for somebody. Steve Dan, who is the uh, regular contributor to the show and the inventor of the chip loaf, if we remember that. He didn't said, invent it. He didn't invent it, but he educated me on it, which is pretty good. Uh, Steve Dan said, our first an- on our first anniversary, my wife wanted to go out for an Italian, so I took her to mine. It's quite nice, isn't it? Sharon Adkins got a car full of red balloons. 
Uh, Tam Kane said, when I was 15, my boyfriend at the time made me a heart-shaped chocolate fudge cake. Craig Kavanagh said, while I was at college, I made a box made of chocolate and handmade truffles, also a rose made of sugar that my now sister-in-law picked up to show her friends. She dropped it and it shattered on the floor. Um, and Hilary Rowland said her husband proposed on the Orient Express. All very romantic. Love that. Uh, and that's the end of another show. Have a really good week, and we'll see you next time on The Kindness Project. Bye. Bye. Thank you.